Welcome to today's RAIN podcast, Protecting Your Company by Protecting Your Executives in Their Personal Lives. Enterprise cybersecurity is always focused on that which is within the company's walls or where it's data lies. In recent years, employees bringing their own devices, BYOD, has shifted this paradigm with employees giving up some privacy and containerization in exchange for accessing work email on their personal devices. However, recently, the threat landscape has shifted more dramatically. Adversaries are actively targeting key executives, CEOs, CFOs, COOs, and other business leaders in their personal lives to break into or gather intelligence on the company. Whether it is password reuse and credentialing stuffing, hacking the home router, or infecting the executive or a family member with malware, the attackers have set their sights on executives in their personal lives to gain access to the company, accounts, or sensitive data. In today's podcast, I sit down with Dr. Chris Pearson, CEO and founder of Black Cloak, which has been on the front lines of personal cybersecurity for executives for the past two years. Their solution set solves cybersecurity for executives and their families by hardening their home, devices, and online presence. Offered as a benefit to key executives, Black Cloak has been protecting the leaders of our nation's critical infrastructures and key financial institutions. Their cybersecurity offering provides real-time, 24-7 cybersecurity and privacy protection from a team of top-tier cyber professionals with zero friction to the executive. Chris, welcome to today's podcast, and thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Greg. Uh, Certainly an exciting topic, uh, exciting and very timely topic to talk about. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. And you've, you know, throughout your career, you've seen uh, attacks on companies uh, what patterns are you seeing of those attacks migrating to the home? Is this something new, or has this been going on for a while? Well, I think in a lot of uh, in a lot of spaces, this has actually been something that uh, you know, for example, aerospace and defense companies have been focusing on uh, you know in the past, but there's certainly renewed attention there. Uh, we'd like to think of the home as the new battlefield, or or where really the battlefield has has moved towards. And so we've seen that as companies are spending, you know, $500 million, $800 million on cybersecurity defenses at the corporations and whether it's VPNs or the different technologies being put in place or zero trust models there, it's, it's becoming a, a harder target to hit. Uh, you've seen this attack pattern happen in terms of instead of targeting aerospace and defense companies, for example, they'll target the law firms that are the intellectual property, the patent attorneys or the M&A attorneys uh, for those various law firms. It's a much softer target to hit than hitting in with an aerospace defense company or a bank, uh, for example, as well. And so what we've seen is, you know, people looking for those soft targets, looking for those targets that are their weakest, and looking, quite honestly, for where executives are the most vulnerable. Except executives are ne- never off duty. They're always on duty. They're always communicating. Right. And the attackers know that. And so we've seen the home become the new battlefield in this area and for, you know, multiple different uh, critical infrastructure sectors. So uh, how are these ad- let's get specific how are these adversaries currently using the home and the personal life of an executive really as an attack vector? What are you seeing? Well, we see this each and every day. I mean, literally you can start with like an easy example of 
password reuse and credential stuffing. Uh, you, you, look, there's too much complexity in the system. Username, password, do you have dual factor, do you not have dual factor, how many passwords do you have to remember? Um, maybe the company does require a password safe for at work, but they're not supporting one in the personal lives, uh, even if they do. People executives are busy. They're still using the same passwords. They put a super secret in you know, their contact list or in their notes file um, or create a super secret document, you know, called passwords uh, that's on their phone and mobile device. Um, but the bottom line is, is that password reuse is, is happening. It happens at all levels of the company, and executives are doing it. Having the ability to use credential-stuffing attacks on egress points into the environment, into the enterprise environment, because of what people are doing in their personal lives, we see that every single day. We see the phishing attacks that are happening in their personal lives having more of a nation-state bent for many of our different executives and many of our protectees, as well as just look, instead of hitting one device in terms of a malware attack, you can hit that person, you can hit their family. It's very easy to figure out who is part of that family unit, who's the husband or wife, the spouse, significant other, who are the different kids that are involved. And if you're able to compromise a device that is on that same shared network, and get the IP address, then you're able to actually move over to other different attacks. And we've seen hardened uh, routers being attacked in terms of their home lives. Uh, and once again, that gives the enemy a jumping off point, the hacker a jumping off point, to actually attack that executive by attacking the others around them. You, you wouldn't bring in your whole family into, hey, uh, jump on the guest Wi-Fi day at work and, and have the kids come over, the families come over, the neighbors up and down the street, aunts and uncles, whoever comes over for Thanksgiving. You wouldn't just invite them over to the company. Yet every single night, you go back to a dirty network, essentially. If you're able to go ahead and compromise that, and we've seen many instances of that, uh, then you're actually able to go ahead and leverage the executive as an attack vector back into the company. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, and I'm reminded of a recent discussion we had with one of our, uh, another expert in our network around the mobile device, sort of the next kind of big attack vector, since everybody has them, including these executives, um, in addition to, you know, trying to get into their home network, uh, that the, the mobile device seems to be carry the most data on it and the most at risk right now. Would you agree with him? I would. I mean, it, you know, the mobile device is absolutely a, a, uh, a plane of exploitation. It is always with the executive. Uh, we've moved away from everybody having two devices, except for a few different areas where everyone still has two devices. There are several, you know, aerospace and defense, financial sector. Um, there are still a lot of folks that actually have two devices. But the bottom line is, is that they're being brought back and forth into the work environment, into the home environment. Uh, they are, always have uh, Bluetooth on. Um, and there are a number of different vulnerabilities there. And the protectability of those devices is, is more at zero. I mean, people are not protecting them intrinsically. Um, you know, they're not being protected by advanced cybersecurity software. Uh, they're not considering them as a means of egress and uh, in, into the uh, um, environment or in, in data out. And quite honestly, they're, they're always on. Uh, those devices are never off. So uh, we do see that as a, a major threat and major attack factor. Yeah, and the other point that's related to that is location of where those executives are. <laughs> um, that's a that's a personal safety and security issue, in addition to the cyber aspect of it. Absolutely, and for many of our many of our uh, clients, uh, not only is it a 
you know, an issue in terms of where are they, but where are their kids, where are their, where's their uh, significant other, their spouse, et cetera, uh, in terms of kidnap and ransom risk, uh, uh, especially for those that are traveling internationally, or just a where is that person? You know, are they at the beach in Miami uh, on vacation? Well, really easy to try to, you know, socially engineer your way into a, a hotel room as opposed to a, a hardened facility or a house even. Uh, much easier to get ingress, uh, 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 get access into that uh, into that room in that environment. We actually see the privacy settings of our clients, and this is 100% of the time. They do not reflect what their true intentions are. So whatever it is that that executive wants, if they want to be super hardened, if they want to be mushy middle, or if they don't, get, we see it 100% of the time. The privacy settings on the different phones, devices, apps, all the rest are not what they intended them to be. Interesting. So let's let's let's, let's have, share some uh, statistics if you got them. Some of the high-level statistics you and your team uh, have seen most recently around uh, clients and those that you're protecting. Uh, maybe maybe share yeah. some of those statistics. <laughs> well, you know, surprisingly, and, and you know, it, it, it amazes us every single day. I mean, we work with some amazing, amazing companies and amazing individuals. Um, sometimes, right when you when you kind of leave the work environment, all that you've all that's been drilled into you by the CISO, the CIO, the different education teams, sometimes that stuff gets left behind for sheer convenience. And, and so, we see about a hundred percent, as I said before, a hundred percent of our, our clients, the privacy. Uh, settings are not what they want them to be, not what they intend them to be. Uh, 90% of our clients, we actually see no cybersecurity whatsoever on their devices. Um, so this is obviously across the entire spectrum of phones, tablets, and computers, uh, and routers, um, and other IoT devices in their homes. Um, we are seeing about 90% uh, having some type of device there that is just 100% not protected. There is nothing on it. Uh, we see the passwords. We're able to get into about 82% of the executives' uh, passwords that we actually uh, protect. We're able to find them, see them, see the correct passwords, see where they're trading. Um, you know, this is a shock and surprise to many. Um, sometimes people have signed up for different things in terms of deep web, dark web. You know, hey, your email address is out there. Hey, your phone number is out there. Your name is out there. Well, these things are all on the Internet. You don't have to go to the deep web for them or dark web for them. Um, but focusing on pure passwords that are cracked, it's upwards of 80%. Um, and then the probably the most shocking statistic we have is that 37% of our protectees of our clients, when we're when they're being onboarded, they are actually compromised in some form or fashion. It could be somebody from their family. It could be another device that they have. Um, doesn't have to be just a straight computer, but they're literally already compromised at the point in time that we come to meet them and do our assessment. Um, and so uh, that's just a shocking statistic. I mean, especially when you think about it from a company perspective, from a CISO perspective, uh, massively shocking statistic in terms of this population. Okay, so we've done a good job of freaking people out who are listening to this now, but uh, let's, so let's turn to like how do we solve this problem, right? So how does Black Oak protect um, the company by basically protecting the executive? Let's walk through that a little bit. Yeah, Greg, and, and, and you know, it, it, and it's one of our real taglines is, right, protect your company by protecting your executive. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that 
you know, even with a BYOD program, even with a VPN that the person uses on, the executive uses on their laptop or their iPad or whatever to dial back in, uh, those 12 hours of the day are still not being factored into the overall security stance and posture. We, we look at things very much so the same way as executive, uh, um, executive physicals, executive uh, health care. Uh, the CEO, the board, the shareholders, they want the executives to all be in the best shape possible in terms of right, making sure they don't have high cholesterol or stroke potential or heart attack potential, whatever it might be. And, and so generally within the larger companies, they have executive benefits, uh, wellness benefits, healthcare benefits. They're able to go ahead and make sure that, look, we're just matching you, the executive, with the best medical minds to make sure you're good to go. You benefit, company benefits. It's the same thing in terms of what we are able to do. We are able to cordon off that executive, take care of the other 12 hours of the day that are really outside the spans of the CISO, especially as it relates to their other devices um, and as it relates to the other family members. In many cases, you as a company cannot, because of, uh, uh, because of employment laws, monitor that executive when they're not on executive, uh, not on company-owned devices. You most certainly cannot monitor all the other individuals within the company, nor would you ever want to. If something happens, if there is a material cybersecurity risk, you know, that intake process into the general counsel's office, into the company, you may now have a SEC material cyber risk and a disclosable event something that has to be disclosed to shareholders and all the rest, if you have that. They're very much same, so the same way of, you know, if you employed a uh, company doctor um, and uh, all the medical tests were being run by the company itself, you may have to disclose that. So you use a third party. Uh, use a trusted third party. Use Black Cloak to be able to protect the executive and the family in their personal life by monitoring and protecting their cell phone, their tablets, their computers, their home, their network, and all those things beyond them on the deep web and dark web and other, other areas, both in terms of active protection, active monitoring, active denial, and intelligence. Intelligence plays a large role into this whole equation as well. And so that's how Black Cloak really works to protect the company by protecting the executive. That's great. I love the concept of thinking of this as an executive perk or executive benefit, just like healthcare and the issue around a disclosable um, finding, right? And, and, and has, have you seen something like that play out where this, this, there was something that was a disclosable finding? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, my, my background is uh, it covers a large gambit of areas, but one of those is is the area of law. I was an outside counsel. I was general counsel for a large fintech firm. The fact of the matter is is that understand boards, understand disclosable events, understand uh, cybersecurity laws, rules, and regulations, and you have to be careful. You have to know and be expert in this area, not just the area of cybersecurity, but the expert of law uh, and, and Internet law and cybersecurity law and all the disclosures there is that we've had times where executives have been 100% totally owned and their networks have been owned at home by hackers and their devices too, uh, and we've had to review with them what steps they would like to take. They are our clients. At the end of the day, they are 100% our client. So just like if we were a medical professional where it's between us and the patient, it's between us and that patient. If the executive wants to go ahead or has some type of policy with their company where it says, if something happens in your personal life that, that could impact your job, you will let us know. It, it depends for every company. Um, we go ahead and talk to the executive about that. They can make the disclosure themselves. 
by and large, is something that you do not want in any contracts. You do not want that reciprocity there back between the company and the actual client. You just want the company to understand that the executive is being protected, how they're being protected, and that this greatly, greatly mitigates the cybersecurity risk, but also the reputational risk. I mean, um, I, I don't even have to, and I'm not going to. We'll make this a child-friendly show. Go into all the different uh, uh, newspaper clippings, even from the past six months that are out there on what uh, corporate executives are doing in their in their kind of free time and other scandals that have hit. But, I mean, the reputational, the financial, um, as well as cybersecurity risks, those all have to be taken into, into consideration. We represent the executive. It is an executive perk. It is an executive uh, bonus, so to speak, from the company to that executive. Um, but it's up to the executive to determine what they want to do, what they need to do um, uh, next. Um, if they want us to uh, come along, uh, so to speak, or to interface with the CISO, with the uh, uh, cybersecurity teams, the forensic teams there, uh, we absolutely will do so. And, and uh, most of our team has uh, prior expertise in uh, defense areas. They've been CISOs. They've been in cybersecurity operations centers and on the front line and forensics and all the rest. And so they're able to work with those uh, persons quite easily because they used to work in those same environments. Um, but we'll do that. We'll do that if the executive wants that to happen. Um, more importantly, we make sure we understand what has happened, why it's happened, that things are cleaned up, that we've mitigated the risk, and that the family, you know, the executive plus their family is well-educated uh, and things are well under control in terms of moving forward. You mentioned that you do work with the internal IT or security teams at a company. Talk a little bit more about that, about how you're working with them. You know, what to what extent do you get, you know, un look a look under the hood, or how does that yeah. play within your services? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. I mean, you know, sometimes our services our services are more of an executive benefit. So we interface uh, with the CISOs as well as the chief human resource officers in the same way that. Uh, chief human resource officer would examine uh, a hospital facility, you know, Mayo Clinic or wherever it might be in terms of uh, executive wellness program, uh, a little bit of kick the tires on the program, as somewhat of what happens uh, uh, with us as well in terms of uh, making sure what we're doing, understanding what we're doing, um, and or any special considerations that we should know about either in terms of uh, that individual or different risks that the internal team may or might have. We actually share intelligence uh, with them uh, uh, all the time, so uh, we're both the recipient and sharer of that. Um, so we will look out for, you know, Acme, uh, Acme Bank and different things there. And if we see something as it relates to one of the executives, well, we can send that information uh, their way. That's, that's uh, quite fine. But we want to emphasize this is that we are 100% uh, aligned with the client. Uh, we do not communicate with uh, anyone from the company uh, in any form or fashion uh, from just a privacy-aware stance and an ephemeral privacy model. Uh, we do not communicate with anyone without the executive's explicit permission, period. Uh, we are employed, yes, by the company, um, but our direct contracts are with each one of those executives. So we do not share that the daughter's computer was hacked or that 
the son was looking at, you know, websites that they shouldn't be looking at or any of that information. Number one, uh, we don't we don't want to have that data, we don't collect that data, and we most certainly do not share any personal or private information about the executive or their family or their household with any team. Uh, never have, never will, unless it's something that the executive wants us to do and is related to some type of an intrusion. So I'm assuming that's a big benefit of using a third party, right? Uh, rather than the company trying to do it themselves and, and protect their own uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you would never have a company do this themselves. Uh, some companies that we have seen some uh, and some of the companies that we work with are still doing it themselves. Um, but you never, ever should do it yourself. And the reason being, if a company money, company dollars in terms of individuals is being used and the technology and licensors are being used to protect, you know, the top 10 executives, that is, and everything that flows from that is really the companies. Um, and the company has a duty and the people have a duty that are working on this to report up the chain, to talk about it, to figure out how it impacts the company, figure out if it's a material cybersecurity risk, let the executive risk management committee know, let even the board know, and even perhaps file SEC papers on the incidents and the events. Um, once again, just, just like healthcare. And you can think about it even right in terms of, you know, your job today, Greg. The company offers you medical benefits. What you do, what you need to do is between yourself and the doctor, you just have to pay your bills, right? That's all you have to do. You have to pay your copay and make sure everything's good there. But otherwise, the company knows nothing. They just know that they've offered you the high deductible health plan, the PMO plan, the, the whatever it is uh, plan, uh, and, and that you've signed up or haven't signed up and have benefits through yourself, your significant other, whatever, right? They, they just need to know that. That's all they need to know. They don't need to know any specifics. The same thing with us. They don't need to know the specifics, nor should they know the specifics. This should be something where we are keeping things extremely private, extremely secure, and the executive is our client. Always has been, always will be. Um, we really don't engage in, in, in uh, we don't engage in opportunities where anything is other than that. That's great. You know, one of the things that, as we're talking here, that, that's been running through my head is that there's so many different combinations. You know, if you're looking at executive home setup, their device, their kids' device, uh, every, every kind of situation is, seems to be, a, seems to be unique. Uh, given all the different options that are available, and how does that play into how you implement your services? Yeah, well, our services are very much hand-tailored for each executive and or their family. Uh, so you can imagine the vast number of devices, types of devices, ages of devices, capability of the devices that they have in their home, um, as well as their network, as well as all the IoT devices that get added into that. Uh, we take all that into consideration. Um, use a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of behind the scenes, uh, secret sauce to, uh, to really go through that and monitor and defend and protect that. Um, but it is so unique. Um, and it's getting even more unique, um, as, as devices, uh, and IoT devices are, uh, proliferating around. But I mean, you know, we have everything from folks that have full blown, uh, you know, uh, full blown, uh, corporate, uh, uh, routers and firewalls that are in their homes. Some are being managed. Some 
aren't. I mean, all the way to, you know, just things that are off the, uh, off the store shelf. So, um, there's a huge, vast uh, range of things. Um, most importantly for our clients, uh, and, uh, both in terms of the corporations as well as the executive clients and super important to understand is we don't change the paradigm of what you're doing at all. You keep everything as is the same way you had before we actually walked into your home or got there and started protecting you. you. Whatever devices you want to use, you use. Whatever brands you want to use, you use. We work with everything, and we're able to go ahead and protect everything that is out there. Um, zero friction to you, zero rip and replace, um, nothing that you have to do. That's great. Um, I won't... Uh, ask you to divulge your secret sauce, um, but I will take this opportunity to ask you a little bit uh, around where you think, where you see the industry going as it relates to, you know, this type of personal cybersecurity. What, what, what would you share with our audience on where you see things headed? I, th- I think as you find, uh, especially with the corporate audience, as you find corporations becoming hardened targets, um, yes, there are always issues that organizations have in terms of patching or weak link here, some type of you know uh, data exfiltration. But by and large, especially within the the, uh, the financial sector, aerospace and defense sector, and a few other notable uh, areas, by and large, these are hardened targets. Uh, these are targets that are becoming m- more difficult, more time-intensive to penetrate. Instead of penetrating them, you know, hackers are using their best friends. They're using LinkedIn. They're figuring out the lay of the land. They're using, actually, for public companies, the uh, the SEC statements. Uh, you can find out who's a key critical executive because there's a whole section just on that uh, within each one of the uh, uh, public filings, especially the annual filings. Um, so you can use all those tools to figure out who to attack. And are you going to attack them in the castle walls? Or are you going to attack them when they're out, uh, out and about in the village countryside or out and about at their summer cottage? That's where you're going to attack them. And so the home is the new battlefield or, you know, you could say that the battlefield has expanded to the home. Uh, either way, uh, that's where we actually believe uh, that many of these corporate fights are being uh, fought and waged. Uh, and unless corporations have their eyes on this area uh, and are able to protect it, uh, they're going to become more vulnerable in the company. Yeah, you know, I have to say um, this is an interesting discussion because it's not just cyber, right? You, one of the things I noticed in your background um, is this, you know, a blend kind of a cyber business uh privacy, law, and your, and your intelligence background, uh, given that you've been a, a CISO, a, a chief privacy officer, and a general counsel, um, how, how does that blend in your background help your team and eventually help your clients? Yeah, you, you know, it's a great question, uh, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, look, cybersecurity is not cybersecurity. It's not just tech. Uh, I was the chief privacy officer for the third largest bank in the world, heading up fraud and cyber and privacy and data protection, or privacy and data protection, because we were a, a UK bank, Royal Bank of Scotland. Okay. Um, but I mean, you you have to have that baked into what we're doing. 
Um, and we have, and that's why we're special. That's why we're unique. We do not collect any of this personal identifiable information on our clients. We're never going to use it. We are never, ever going to collect it, use it, transfer it, sell it, rent it, just none of that. Um, we are there as that trusted third party. In terms of CISO, actually being there and having run the cybersecurity operations centers for, you know, a fintech that actually had 14 of the top 30 banks, all of their uh, uh, Check 21, Check Imaging, Wire, ACH, all of their different digital payments, you know, we take that same type of protection methodology and apply it in, same in terms of my background in the Intel space. And then, look, obviously, and we talked about this a little throughout throughout things, uh, you know, the general counsel of legal knowledge and expertise, these are just things that you can't, uh, you know, rip and replace. We have a phenomenal team, phenomenal team uh, of, uh, of folks that cover these areas now in terms of CISO, in terms of privacy and customer experience, uh, in terms of legal and operational affairs, and in and each one of these people that, that works uh, with me on the team is a stalwart in the area. But it massively helps our company, massively helps our, uh, you know, our approach and dictates what we will do and what we won't do and helps us in terms of being able to communicate not only with the clients but also with the companies that we protect in terms of our stance on all these items. And it's something where we don't have to check with others on what we're going to do. It's kind of a multi-threaded uh, a multi-threaded. Uh, uh, threat, if you, uh, um, if you will, in terms of our abilities, uh, my abilities, and, and really the team's abilities. All right, Chris, that's great. Uh, great information. I think some of the CEOs that uh, you referenced earlier that were, have been in the media lately around this uh, type of leaks, uh, I probably wish that they had your services um, earlier. So, Look at it. I appreciate you joining us today and giving a lot of information to our audience. So thanks again. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If you like this content and want more, go to www.rainnetwork.com backslash join to become a RAIN member. RAIN members get exclusive access to webinars, podcasts, the daily risk book email digest, expert content, and more. So go to www.rainnetwork.com backslash join to become a RAIN member today.